Hello and welcome to Thoughts on the Hoops with me, Laura Bradburn. Uh, plenty to discuss this week, as we know. We've got the 7-1 victory over Dundee at Celtic Park from last weekend and a couple of major pieces of news uh, within Celtic, most notably that of the departure of Mark Lawwell, uh, the recruitment chief. Uh, we'll look into some of the reasons for that and the successes and not-so-successful times that he has brought to the club. Um... Thanks everybody for joining me. Uh, I'm sure you'll be aware, some of you, uh, in the online space that um, I had a rather unpleasant experience last week with a clip that went viral um, on TikTok, I think is where it went viral, but then uh, afterwards made a very simple point at that point, just talking about how I felt if um, Celtic won, uh, Celtic lost the league, should I say, that uh, it would be more to do with the shortcomings in Celtic's team than it would be to do with the um, strengths of Rangers. Now, some of that comment was, as is always the case uh, with social media, taken out of context. Obviously, uh, I'm no stranger to the fact that if, um, if, if a team wins the league, they absolutely deserve to win the league. Uh, my point being that the fact that we've lost an eight-goal, uh, an eight-point lead... Um, and played as poorly as we have suggests to me that if we had kept the strength that we have had in the last few seasons that um, you know Rangers could have improved any significant amount under Philippe Clement and still wouldn't have been able to catch us um, that obviously um, hadn't hadn't been fully taken into context but what, what uh, was more distressing for me was the nature of some of the comments made that had nothing to do with football. Um, I'm not a stranger to those types of comments. I have grown up with those types of comments, um, but obviously when they are on a much more public platform and when they go out to a wider range of people, a lot of whom don't know you, um, it can uh, be quite a, an unpleasant experience. And I, I'm fully aware that that comes with the nature of the, of the world that I've tried to enter. Nevertheless, uh, I don't find it particularly pleasant and although I still want to create content going forward, um, I think doing that without the pressure of um, video content is something that I'm going to prefer to do in the future. So um, with that in mind, the Thoughts in the Hoops podcast will be going ahead as an audio-only podcast. Um if you're listening to this, then obviously you already know that, but it's even more important now, um, if you can do, please uh, like the podcast, uh, rate it on your favourite podcast platform, leave me a review um, and share it with people if you can, because um, the benefit of video in this day and age is, is the content's much more shareable, but if I'm not going to do that, then I, I really rely on the people listening to the podcast to do that for me um, on your favourite podcast platform, and I really would appreciate it if you could do that for me. Um, that aside, uh, we're going to crack on. Um, my thoughts on the Dundee game, which was on Wednesday night of this week, I believe. Uh, I was actually out at the Football Clichés live show. Um, I don't know if any of you listened to the Football Clichés podcast uh, with Adam Hurry. Um, a fantastic podcast that's like really for the, the football geek out there who who hears football cliches and, and 
likes to pick them apart and decide whether they make sense and talk about the intricacies of language um, in relation to, to football and, and the commonly used phrases and, and whether they are or aren't um, things that make sense. Uh, <laughs> it was a really good show, but uh, as I was at the show, I saw these notifications coming through Celtic 1-0, Celtic 2-0. Celtic 3-0, and I think, if if my memory serves me correctly, it was about 5-0 by half an hour in or something like that, and I couldn't really believe it, because I would say this is the first match I've missed all season, um, watching live anyway, and although I did go back and watch it, it was kind of difficult to be sitting there listening to the the score come in and, and hear how well we were playing, especially considering how poorly we'd played in recent weeks and how dour our football had been and all that. And this was like a flashback to, to peak Ange time. I know Brendan said later, oh, it reminded me of my first time here, but, uh, you know, scores like that were much more of an Ange feature than a Brendan feature. And nevertheless, it, it really did... Uh, I was excited to go back and watch the highlights, but it did really grind my gears a little bit that I missed watching it live because that would have been some experience. Um, reflecting on the game and I'm, I'm watching the highlights, I did, I did think that um, it was a combination of we seem to be very on point, we seem to be doing everything that apparently Brendan has been asking of us to do, um, and we were very much, you know, in the right place at the right time, making the right deliveries. Yang was on form, Ida was on form, Taylor was on form, O'Reilly was on form. I could go through the whole team. The whole team was fantastic, and that is why we ended up in the position we ended up in. But um, I also think it's a reflection to some extent on Dundee. They they were not a they were not a great team by any manner of means either, and I think that 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 definitely shone through. But listen, you can't you can't uh, wish for a a fixture like that or or for a result like that to come along, and then when it does, not credit the team and the manager for that result when it does happen. Yeah, we absolutely deserved that result. Um, we we played in a way that I hope we continue to play going forward, um, and I think the biggest thing for me that was encouraging to see was not only the clinical fi finishing on show but more the deliveries that you saw coming into the box they were absolutely fantastic um I think Adam Ida is the one that I really am very interested to talk about a little bit more in the context of that game I think if you're looking at it at a very base level he offers us something that that we don't have from any other forward player, which is a physicality and a height that neither O nor Kyogo has. Now, O has it a little bit more, obviously, but not to any great extent. But I think to to put all of Ida's sort of um, uh, worth down to those factors would be discrediting him to some, some extent. He is... Although he's big and he's strong and he's got height and, you know, you can't then use that to take for granted that he will be good in the air, which he's obviously shown that he is, but that's something that he still deserves credit for because to be that good in the air, you need to um, 
you need to have the skill to do that, even if you've got the physical abilities to do that. And he certainly showed that against Dundee. But he's also got a fantastic touch and um, an ability that, even though there's so many players I've seen who can hold up the ball the way he does, but they can't find that next pass, he can do both. He can hold up the ball and he can find that next pass. And especially when Kyogo's being used in the manner that he now appears to be being used in, which is um, in a slightly deeper role, it's really good to um, to see him using that to to the full extent of which he can, and um, I I I really like he that I would like to think that any funds that we get from a sale of Matt O'Reilly in the in the summer um, would go towards perhaps looking at getting Ida on a more permanent deal. Um, I haven't seen anything to suggest that that's already on the cards or anything to suggest that it won't be on the cards, um, feel free to let me know on social media, at Cadetsgirl on Twitter, if you have heard anything different. But I um, I really like the guy, and I think, you know, very much the same as Mikey Johnston's having at, at West Bromwich Albion. You can say what you want about a player, but sometimes they just suit a club or they don't suit a club. Mikey Johnston does not suit Celtic, but he seems to be finding a home for himself at West Bromwich Albion. Adam Eder, when we signed him, quite obviously didn't suit Norwich, but may be finding a home at Celtic. And it's just different horses for different courses, isn't it, really? That's the that's the common phrase that you hear used. And I think, certainly for Adam Eder, it's it's going to be the case that, uh, that he's, he's found a home at Celtic that we can hopefully make a more permanent one in the summer. Because regardless of what the manager goes on to do, it's quite clear that what Eder offers is unique. And so regardless of what other strike options are available or become available for us, he offers us something that we don't have and that we might not necessarily get in as effective a form uh, in the future. So I'm really liking him so far. Might be early early days to suggest a, a permanent transfer for him, but certainly um, it would be something that I'd be looking forward to, to seeing us do on a more permanent basis if we can do. Talking about other players in that fixture, I mean, Matt O'Reilly seemed to put put behind him those numerous fixtures he's had over the Christmas and New Year period where he was playing really, really poorly and seems to have, um, you know, really upped his game, which I'm, I'm pleased to see. He um, absolutely, he had that the goal, obviously, which is fantastic. He had another fantastic strike that came off the bar that he was unfortunate with. And he just seemed, I don't know, he's an example that I'm picking out, but it's because he he, he epitomises what I think I saw in a lot of players in that game, which is a, a change in attitude that I, I don't know where it came from. I don't know why the, the players suddenly started playing that way, but they just seemed like they were out for blood in a way that I haven't seen them be since Ange left. And that's really encouraging to see. I hope that they don't rest on their laurels after that result and say, well, we've shown what we can do, but we'll go back to to doing what we normally do. I hope this becomes the new norm going into the new season. Matt O'Reilly is a, an example of it, and I hope the other ones are in the future, because we've got no excuse between now and the end of the season. We have no... European trophies to speak of, uh, no European fixtures to speak of, I should say. Certainly I have no European trophies to speak of, except one, obviously. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I I, really hope it's a springboard and not just a kind of 
well, here you go. Here's something f to satisfy you for a few weeks until the next one. I hope it becomes uh, the norm for us going forward. And I'm sure it will do if the managers get anything to do with it. Uh, speaking of the manager, <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about something that he did uh, a couple of days ago now at the point of uh, recording this. So I'm recording this on Saturday afternoon, Saturday the 2nd of March. Um, and I... So my brother texted me that this clip of a an article of Brendan had apparently, in a press conference, sat down a small group of journalists and compared via video with a, a large screen and everything four of his goals to four of Ange Postacoglu's goals in an attempt to apparently show that there had not been a change in style. And I thought, when I heard that, I thought, surely not. Why would anybody do that? Why would a, a manager of the standing of Brendan Rodgers feel the need to do that? It sounds absolutely crazy. It cannot be true. But I looked into it more and it absolutely did turn out to be true. Now, because of the lateness of this recording this week, I've actually been able to find an article on Football Scotland where um, Brendan was asked about that um, display of similarity between the the playstyle he was ad adopting and the playstyle Ange had, um, and he was asked to explain it. And he said, um, this is what he said, um, he says, no, listen, it wasn't a masterclass. I've been here now since July and all I've heard is about the change in style and system, the change in lots of things. I just felt it was probably worth pointing out that absolutely nothing has changed in terms of system, style and what's been asked. Obviously, of course, you need evidence to show that. So it was just a case of an off-the-record football chat with some of the guys that had turned up. I said to them a few weeks back that I was going to do it because they, on a number of occasions, had brought up the style. I've heard players' positions have changed and none of this has happened. So it was just to demonstrate and show some evidence of that. Now, managers... If I, I've watched enough football documentaries to know that managers have very egotistical um, attitudes. They, and it's part of the... Part of the reason they become so good at their jobs is because they believe they are the best at doing something. What I couldn't believe about this was if if I'm a manager and the press are saying you've changed the style, you've changed this, you've changed that, if I believe that what I'm doing is correct, then I don't care about um, the, the attitude of people and their comparisons of my work to, to the previous manager. I only care that I'm doing the right thing. And I, fi I find it absolutely cringeworthy, to be honest, that he even did this. Because it suggests to me that he wants... He's seeing the way that Ange was received at Celtic. He's seeing the way that he's being received down south in a wholly positive manner in most aspects, um, in terms of his style of play, the way that he addresses people, the way that he engages with people. And it's as if he's gone... I want to show people I'm like him. I want to show people that I'm as good as him. I don't think that should be necessary as a, as a manager. But 
it certainly seems that Brendan has taken that approach and I don't understand why he's felt the need to do it. If I'm him, I, I go... That, that's him writing that rubbish again. I, I don't know what they're talking about. They obviously don't know what they're looking at, but I don't care if I play like Ange Postacoglu or not. I play like Brendan Rodgers. Teams play, and that's that's what I'm interested in. And I... I Maybe just, maybe just the annoyance of them getting it so wrong is what forced them to do it. But I still think looking at it optically, he could have looked at it and gone, well, even if I'm just trying to prove not that I'm necessarily like Ange, but that nothing has changed in great amounts since last season, he must have known how it would come off. And it comes off a little bit desperate to me to be honest that he's just desperate to be seen in the same light and the same the same category as as Ange Postecoglou which is strange again for another reason is listen three years ago none of us have heard of Ange Postecoglou we all knew who Brendan Rodgers was we all knew he, he took Liverpool close to their first Premier League title we all knew what he did at Celtic absolutely swept the board He's no need to prove that he's as good as anybody else. Certainly not as somebody who didn't have a profile as big as his a few years ago. So I really don't understand why he's felt the need to do that. Much less the fact that it came out. Because you know if you're going to sit down in front of, I don't know how many it was, but let's say 15 to 20 journalists, you know it's not staying within that room, whatever you do or whatever you show. It's it's going to get out there. It's going to, um, it's going to show your character for whatever light the person spreading the news wants it to show. And that really depends on the the attitude of the person spreading the news to to you as the person. Uh, you know, for all we know, Brendan Rodgers could have put together a very straightforward pa package that makes exactly the point he wants. But if the person spreading the news has a less than stellar opinion of him, he's going to make out that it's more cringeworthy than it maybe was or it's, uh, or that it didn't show what Brendan wanted it to show. And I think it's just really, really strange. I think it's an... It, it, it's, it's typical of what we've seen from him this season, which is a kind of desperation to recapture the magic of a few years ago. Um, and it was always a worry of mine and a lot of Celtic supporters when he was coming back in was this idea that, you know, you couldn't better really what he did except maybe going further in Europe. And he was always going to be chasing what he'd already done. And this is just another example of it. And especially strange the timing of it, considering it comes after one of our, our greatest um, victories this season. He doesn't need to prove anything. If he puts a team out that wins 7-1 every week, then nobody's talking about Ange Postacoglu or any any other manager for that matter. I I find it highly, highly strange. Um, but that's Brendan Rodgers for you, and we'll see... We'll see uh, if anything else like that comes up. We, we know that he's got a track record for it. The, the Liverpool player's name in the envelope and <coughs> um, that kind of thing. But, you know, 
We'll just have to wait and see. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about in terms of big Celtic news is obviously the um, resignation from Celtic of Mark Lobel. He is the head of recruitment, son of, I think, what's his title, Peter Lowell? Honorary chairman, maybe? Um, but uh, the, the Herald says, Celtic head of recruitment, Mark Lowell, has resigned from his Parkhead post. The talent spotter stepped down from his high-ranking position at the club and Lowell, who joined Celtic in 2022, will be placed on gardening leave until the end of the season. The son of Celtic chairman, Peter, uh he left the City group to take up the post of head of the first team scouting and recruitment at Celtic, but he's now set to pursue other challenges in football. So with that news in mind, I thought we would go through um, the signings that Mark Lobel has made, because ultimately that is what he will be judged on. Uh, that was the title of his job. And therefore, we've got to look at his recruitment as a, an indication of his success. So the list of players that have come in under his watch, eh, I'm getting from an article, unfortunately, in the Daily Record, but that is where it's coming from. Uh, this was published on the 1st of March, which was yesterday at the time of recording. We're briefly going to go through it. And uh, it doesn't make for pleasant reading, I have to say. First up, Benjamin Segrist. Less said about him, the better. Couldn't tell you how many appearances that he's made in a Celtic shirt, but I would be surprised if he's in double figures. Um, the very fact that he can't get a look in ahead of somebody like Scott Bain tells you everything you need to know. Needless to say, um, not a success. Alexandro Bernabe, ditto most of the things I, first, I said the first time. He has made a significant number of appearances, but really only because of injuries to... Greg Taylor and our inability seemingly to bring in another uh, left back. He also um, had a really bad start uh, with uh, some off the field stuff that didn't paint him in the best light either. So, um, yeah, not a success either. Morris Jens, strange one because we, he was signed, uh, I think, on a loan um, that was intended to be a kind of just bolster at the back. I quite liked him. I, I attended the signing press conference forum for Axom. I found him to be quite an engaging guy. I thought he performed quite well. There were some people who didn't agree, so uh, not a success by any manner of means. Uh, actually had his loan um, terminated early and I'm I don't actually know where he ended up. I think he went back to Lorient, um straight from us. I don't know if he then went on loan anywhere else. Let me just double check that. So he was at us. Oh, yeah, he went to Schalke after that. And he's now uh, I, I made a permanent transfer to uh, Wolfsburg, who are playing in the Bundesliga. So he can't be a terrible player if he's playing in the Bundesliga, but it just didn't work out for him. Aaron Moy, not one I was excited about when he came in, but you can't uh, understate his impact since he arrived as he, he came from the Chinese Super League. 
one of those players that I think had you told me a few years ago we were going to sign him, I would have been absolutely delighted. Um, but did end up hanging up his boots at 32 due to a back injury, I think it was. But definitely played his part, especially in that last season under Ange. Uh, great signing. Sead Haksibanovic, frustrating one for me because I think the guy has talent. I think he always seemed a threat when he came on. He's exactly the type of player we need in a lot of ways. But uh, for whatever reason, my suspicion being attitude, he, he hadn't made it. Um, and the way in which he chose to leave the club, talking about not feeling appreciated and that type of thing uh, was not great. He's now still in the middle of his loan from, uh, uh, at Stoke City. So, um, Up next, Oliver Abelgaard. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you how many appearances he made for us, but it wasn't a permanent transfer. It was cut short. After six months, I, suppose, I think he was supposed to be there for the full season, but he didn't He didn't last. Not a great signing. Yuki Kobayashi, uh, not a great signing either. Um, came in with that influx of Japanese players under Ange, um, but hasn't had the same impact as the majority of those. Um, you wonder how these players go so wrong. You know, Kobayashi, any time I've seen him, hasn't looked absolutely awful. But he just cannot get anywhere near the team, and it's 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 a frustrating one. But you see, you see a theme coming here. I think the only positive one that we've seen so far out of what uh, ten players or so is is Aaron Moy. Um. So the next one up is right back Alistair Johnson. Really impressive first season. Um, signed them after the World Cup in Qatar. Um, so not even a first season, six months really. Uh, up until 2023. Has fallen off a little bit in the last few months, but his attitude is, is excellent. And when he really gets playing, yeah, he's one of my favourite players at Celtic actually. So I, I would I would say he's a success. Tomoki Iwata... Strange one again, because I feel like he's a better player than he sometimes gets given credit for. I think he is uh, exactly what we need in some situations, but certainly hasn't done anything to nail down a, a place. Um, oh, Hyun Yu is the next one up front. Hasn't made a fantastic impact. Has certainly gone down in the pecking order since Adamida came in. Not a fantastic signing for us either. Odin Thiago Holm showed promise at the beginning of this season, um, but has failed to nail down a start despite a confident um, arrival and, and some uh, sort of online behaviour that would suggest he was very confident in his, uh, in his ability, but hasn't proved um, to be so. Marco Tellio has been at Celtic less than six months before he ended up having to go back to Australia. Not a success. Yang Hyun Yoon has had some awful appearances in a Celtic shirt, but I think there's still a player there. His performance against Dundee the other night was fantastic. But, um, yeah, not not yet a success, but, he, but, you know, there might still be a player there. Kwon Hyok Yoo... Um, 
pulling up trees at, at St Mirren, it has to be said, has yet to make, a, I think, a first-team appearance for Celtic. Um, this is after already <laughs> suggesting that we would be a stepping stone for him to get to the Premier League. If he can get into the team, that would be great. Um, but yeah, his, his performance and his start at St Mirren is, uh, uh, has been encouraging and hopefully he can become a success, but not one yet. Mike Navrocki, I really like Navrocki. I think he's looked great most of the time. I think some of the times he's received criticism has actually been due more to his partner Liam Scales than it has been due to him and he's having to do a lot of work for other people. Obviously, injuries have, have marred his time here so far, but I think there's a player there. I'd really do. I think if you could get Carter Vickers and him fit in a pairing, that would be great. Gustav Lagerbielka, strange one. But if you listen to Johan Mialbe, if you listen to other people, there's more of a bafflement they ever, uh, ever even ended up in a Celtic shirt than anything. Uh, so, yeah, not a success. Um, Luis Palma, he splits opinion. I like him. I think he's skillful. I think he's willing to take a shot. I think he's got great delivery. I think... There's a perception of him as a tricky winger and therefore people have less patience for him a lot of the time, but I think he delivers more often than he doesn't and I like Palma. Um, Nat Phillips. Less said about him, the better. Came in from Liverpool as a supposed emergency cover for injuries and was also injured. Um, yeah, not a great success by any manner of means. Paolo Bernardo. Has had some great appearances, a good goal against Rangers, um, has looked good in spells, but hasn't been overly fantastic. And Nicholas Kuhn, uh, not Nicholas Kuhn's a weird one because I don't think he's had time to have an impact yet. But pff, what I've seen, I've not, I've not greatly liked. And then Adam Eder's the last one, a great, great start for him. So, who are we giving pass marks out of that lot? Maybe. I mean, we've got... That was 21 players we went through. And I'm probably giving pass marks so far to Ida, Bernardo, uh, Palma. Johnston. And that's it. Ida, Palma, Bernardo, Johnston. Four out of 21. So that's uh, that tells you everything you need to know about uh, Mark Lawwell's uh, success or otherwise in his job. Um, I'm not a fan of what he's done. But if you're to believe stories that have come out since his resignation about the restrictions that were placed on him in the board, uh, some people saying that he was told they could only attempt to sign players who fit within a certain financial package, were aged 19 to 23 and had international experience. That's quite restrictive considering... It's not restrictive if you're a Premier League team and all the best young kids um, are looking to come to you, but if you're Celtic, that's quite a restrictive market to work in and I think that probably hasn't done him any favours. But I... it's You can't say it's been a success. You can't say it's been a success at all. <clears throat> and I think... Um, if uh, if him moving on allows us to get
getting somebody else who can do a better job or if or if the person coming in does a similar or worse job then we'll know it's more on the board than it is on the recruitment staff the next six to eight months are going to be very revealing in terms of what it tells us about who's at fault for a lot of the failings of the club at the moment um there's lots of people say it's the board without question there's lots of people say it's the recruitment team without question there's people who say it's a mixture of both and one thing's for certain we will find out in the end up uh in the next few months so we've covered uh brendan we've covered mark lawwell we've covered uh all of that news not much else to cover this week obviously Um, I'm just happy to be back in the chair doing the podcast because uh, I have to admit there was a point um, earlier in the week where I thought I wouldn't be coming back at all Um, but your your support in the situation uh, has really been uh, very much appreciated Um, I do enjoy doing this I do, do enjoy making content I enjoy being part of that that world and engaging and collaborating with other uh, creators within Celtic fan media space as well and um, I hope I can continue to do that in the future. Um, Taking a little look ahead to the weekend, um, we've got the Cinch Premiership coming back into the fray uh, this weekend and Celtic are playing Hearts at... um, 12 o'clock on Sunday. As I'm recording this, uh, it's 37 minutes into the Rangers-Motherwell match and Motherwell are 1-0 up. I hope I'm not jinxing it, but I hope that result stays the same because we will need all the help we can get going into the Tynecastle match tomorrow. Um, The table currently looks like this. Um, Rangers are on 70 points. We're on 68. Um... And the goal difference is equal at this moment in time. That that 7-1 win against Dundee has uh, swung the goal difference in a way that is definitely going to help us out. Um, Hearts are in third place, which is um, obviously means we're playing the strongest team that we can possibly play outside of Rangers in the league. And... Uh, they have been going great guns at the moment. They have Lauren Shankland, who is by... All manner of means uh, a fantastic goal scorer. I don't care what anybody says. I think he would do great um, in most teams because he's a natural goal scorer. Um, obviously disgusting to see what the Hibs fans did to him throwing projectiles at him, particularly one as dangerous as it was. Um, but we will have a lot on our plate at Tynecastle tomorrow. Um, as far as the league's concerned... We find ourselves in a position where uh, currently uh, we are two points behind Rangers and so the league is not, in a lot of ways, in our hands. It's in our hands if you include any remaining fixtures we have against Rangers. I take that um, as read. But we have found ourselves in a position now where we ha- we cannot afford to drop points. The Tyne Castle is never an easy place to go. And I am concerned that points are going to be dropped tomorrow. Uh, in certain situations, we might have been able to get away with that, but we absolutely can't um, now because we can't afford 
we can't afford for Rangers to increase their lead beyond the swing of one victory, if you know what I mean. Uh, a lead of more than three points is really going to cause us bother. Because there's no guarantee, obviously, that we we win the next one-off match against them. But I think w- what's important for us to do is um to take confidence from that win during the week. Take confidence from the fact that we can score goals, we can create chances. We could have scored more than seven, which is crazy to say. And it's something that has been sorely lacking for us up until now. And I really think that we need to um, uh, take the bull by the horns, not rest on our laurels and go ahead and make the most of this opportunity to build on the momentum that we found. Everybody's been talking about the fact that the momentum is with Rangers at the moment. And to an extent it is. They're playing well under their new manager. We have been up and down and you can't discount momentum as a as a factor in football. Um, But I would really like for us to really stamp our authority. A win at Tynecastle is about as big an away win as you can get in this league. And if we can... Um, if we can manage to get that tomorrow, especially in a case where maybe Rangers lose some points uh, today against Motherwell, then, you know, the title race is is, is even more wide open than it's already been. Because I think that's what we need to remember between now and the end of the season. Brendan Rodgers said, oh, the fun begins with 10 games to go. Normally it doesn't for Celtic. Normally the, the league is all but sealed up for us. As the way it's been uh, the majority of the last decade. But what's for certain is uh, I don't think either Celtic or Rangers are going to go throughout the rest of this season without dropping to points to other teams out with um, each other. Um, and I think we need to capitalise on that whenever that happens to the opposition because that's the position we're now in. Um, I hope for a win, obviously. I hope for a Rangers loss today. Um, and I hope that whatever happens, we can get this league secured, we can get Champions League football secured and hopefully put the rough patch that has been this season behind us. Brendan can be given all the stat, uh, all the backing that he needs in the summer and we can start afresh in the new season. We'll see if that's what happens. If it does, fantastic. If it doesn't, um, then we'll have a discussion at that point. But... Um, Yeah, let me know what you think. Please follow and uh, like this podcast. Give me a five-star rating on your preferred podcast platform and write a review. It'll help it get out there. My name's been Laura Bradburn and this has been Thoughts on the Hoops for this week.